Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1797. Today it's all about motorcycles. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. I'll say motorcycle enthusiasts today, and welcome to Cars Yeah, or let's call it Motorcycles Yeah today, because I'm in Portland, Oregon, with a very special guest who loves to ride by the name of Alicia Elving. Alicia, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Mark, I am always ready to release the clutch. Yeah, I think so. You kind of like to ride. I'm jealous because I used to ride a lot, and I don't anymore. Maybe I need to get back into that. Now, before I give you a a proper introduction. What's one little thing that most people maybe don't know about you? I think the fact I like to use in this arena is not motorcycle related at all. And it's the fact that I have swam with a penguin in the wild. (laughs) Okay. A swam with a penguin in the wild. So that begs to ask, where was this? It was in Ecuador, uh, the Galapagos Islands. They are the southernmost uh, penguins in the world. And so they're tropical. So it was much more pleasant than swimming you know, uh, in the freezing waters that they (laughs) would normally be found in. I was going to say my next question would be how thick was your wetsuit? Uh, Oh my gosh. Now penguins are cool because having gone to zoos and seeing penguins in where they have these wonderful tanks where you're kind of standing underwater looking at these birds, they're like missiles. They move so fast. I mean, if you think sea lions and seals are fast, and I, I grew up in the water surfing. I was around dolphins and sea lions and fish and all this stuff. But those little birds literally fly underwater. They're like little blubber rockets, right? Like <laughs> Blubber rockets. <laughs> well, I think they would beg to differ, but uh, I think that's a good way to describe them. <laughs> Maybe if you're a penguin, you know, the blubber is where it's at. You know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, especially if you're in the cold part of the region uh, where some penguins are. I just recently saw something online that showed a detail of a penguin's feather layers, and it is absolutely incredible. Now you see why they can live down in the Antarctic in these freezing cold conditions, because you think about how can feathers keep you warm, but their feathers are like no other feathers I've ever seen. They are so tightly woven together. They're like a layer blubber above their skin. It's amazing. Well, that's actually what's kind of fascinating is you think like, you know, hair couldn't keep you very warm. Feathers couldn't keep you very warm, but there's a reason that we've been, you know, since the dawn of time using fur and down yes. to create warmth, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. works really good. Yeah. Well, very fun. That sounds like a wonderful adventure. I think we're going to learn a lot more about you and adventures in a minute. But let me give you a proper introduction here. Alicia Elving is the founder of themotolady.com, the world's leading website for women who ride, as well as the world's first women's motorcycle show. Those who appreciate women riders will find a massive amount of media here for daily distractions and fun, motorcycles in art and design, motorcycle fashion and gear, and profiles of pioneering women motorcyclists, or just some of the topics that she covers. Alicia roams the roadways far and wide for experiences and personalities, and penguins sometimes, to capture with her words and photographs. Her book titled The Motor Lady's Book of Women Who Ride is 
released a collection of motorcycle heroes, trailblazers, and record breakers. Alicia splits her time between the West Coast, between Portland, Oregon, and Los Angeles, California. We'll be back in just a minute, so let's pull the bikes to the side of the road, hear a word from our valued sponsors, and we come back, we're going to dive deeper into her life. So sit tight. We'll be right back. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylus solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. All right, Alicia, we are back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner here and have you share more about. What you're doing in your business, we're going to talk about your book in a little bit, but I first want to hear about Model Lady, your business, your role in this. Why did you create this business? It's a nice way to get the inspirational wheels uh, turning a little bit, as I like to say. So Alicia, twist the wrist. So the Model Lady website was kind of a happy accident. I was running a photography company at the time with my partner, and after starting writing motorcycles myself, you know, you start to get more and more into looking at the things that you're into while you're doing them. And so I was basically combing the internet for women writers and their photos and the photography, you know, with them as models and everything else. And at the time I had a personal blog on Tumblr. This is the days of Tumblr. It's almost a a decade ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And all the motorcycle posts kept getting some pretty good traction. You know, uh, they were getting shared a lot. They were getting likes and it seemed pretty weird to me to have some random poem of mine next to 
this really amazing woman motorcyclist. And I wanted to, you know, kind of reflect my marketing background and split those two things and create a space for women motorcyclists. And that is how Moto Lady was born. Well, cool. So you had a little window into this world and it seems like it started to broaden a little bit as you dug a little bit deeper and you attracted some attention with it. So tell us what this site is. More, we obviously know it's about women and motorcycles, but as I mentioned in your intro, it's it's worth or it is about a whole lot more than just women riding bikes. There's a whole world around motorcycles, right? So uh, what are some of the fun things that you're doing with the site? Well, so when it comes to the Moto Lady website itself, right, I promote primarily women who ride. Now, that doesn't mean the only people who want to look at the website are women who ride because there are fathers of daughters who they want to race. There are, you know, husbands of really cool uh, riders. There are husbands of people, ladies who want to get into racing. There are guys that are just really into motorcycling women because they ride themselves. And then there's the women who haven't gotten on bikes yet the women that are looking for new gear, the women who just want to connect with other ladies who ride motorcycles. You know, the scope of the website itself hones in on women who ride and all the badass stuff they do. But it it goes beyond that in talking about how we make a difference by doing that, including getting new gear on the market and watching the amount of women riders expand from nine, I think it was eight or 9% to 14% of the market, which was the most recent kind of census. Yeah. Yeah. That's some heavy growth. Did you find like the automotive industry, you think about the automotive hobby, car hobby, collector cars, whatever types of cars, there's all these different groups, subgroups within it, people into collector cars, people into European sports cars, American cars, hot rods, and so forth. You think about motorcycles, like when I rode, I rode sport bikes, an Envy Agusta F4 and a a Ducati Monster. I love the Italian bikes. It kind of carried over from my love for European sports cars. Most people think of motorcycles, especially in the U.S., they think Harley Davidson's groups of people that are involved in those types of bike. But then there's also the sport bike riders. When it comes to women, is it just as diverse? Do you see women riding all different kinds of bikes or is there kind of a trend that women tend to steer toward? You know, when you first asked me that question, my immediate reaction wanted to be, yes, I think it's a different a smattering of bikes and choices and styles. However, maybe if you were to look at the 30,000 foot view, it would look pretty similar. You know, there are women who live in the Midwest, for instance, and got into riding bikes because they didn't want to ride on the back uh, with their guy mm-hmm. anymore. And so maybe they ended up on a Sportster or a low rider XLH or you know something like that, one of the Harleys. But then if you go down to Los Angeles or even here in Portland, West Coast, I would say most of the ladies aren't on Harleys. There are definitely some, but I I feel like far less, you know, than the national average of 50 to 52% or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So overall, I think that women have a a larger range of bikes that they choose because simply we have to. The sizes of some of those aren't, they're not something we can't ride. It's just not that comfortable for a long-term thing. Yeah, big, heavy bikes. And uh, uh, that can be a problem sometimes. Even even some sport bikes, but the Harleys, the few times that I've ridden friends' Harleys compared to the bikes I was riding, it was like, whoa, this is a whole different experience. Uh, and you don't want one of those to fall on your leg. I had one of those fall on my head. Your head? Uh, oh my I, built a, I built a, a, a Harley Sportster 
which I named the dual sporty, um, for my friend Caroline. And coincidentally, we actually made that bike taller because she is very tall. She's about six foot one. Mm -hmm. So instead of lowering the bike, like a lot of women need or want, uh, we made it taller, but I turned it into kind of a dual sport adventure camp bike. And when it was on the, uh, stand, the motorcycle stand while I was building it, the stand failed. And oh, no. it and I came off of the stand. I shouldn't have put the weight on it that I did when I was adjusting the rear sets. And mm-hmm. we both just went, timber, and oh. then it smashed me in the face. Ouch. So, yeah, all of my builds have blood, sweat, and tears in them one way or another. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't do that. You know, that's supposed to be a uh, kind of a made-up image type thing, not reality. So, yeah, don't let a, a bike fall on your head. That's probably not a good thing. How long have you been riding and when did you start doing this? When did you realize this was going to be a career path for you at this website? And again, we're going to be talking about a book in a little bit. You know, I don't know that I ever have fully realized that it can be a career path. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Working on that. I treat it as uh, as such in the, in the fact that, you know, I spend so much of my mental energy and my my actual hours of my life on it. Right. However, it doesn't it doesn't make me you know, kind of like quote real money. This is, it has been mostly a passion project because of the fact that I find it rewarding to, you know, bring, bring these women's stories to the, to the forefront for lack of better terms and to share them with people. And the fact that, you know, Moto Lady has um, slowly and happily gotten bigger and have gotten more traction. I don't want to waste that. I understand. Well, some of these things have to evolve naturally. I mean, they start as an organic thing, and then as you build them and you start to realize what works, what doesn't work, where you want to take it, what you want to do with it, it goes down these variations and paths and becomes something sometimes different than what you started it. And especially if it's something that's driven by a passion that you have, and that is bikes and then sharing these experiences. So sometimes you're not sure where it's going to take you, kind of like a road that you don't have a map for. You just start riding and head down and see where where it takes you. And that can be fun sometimes, uh, for sure. Sometimes it can be a little daunting. Sometimes it can be a little frustrating too, right? Yeah. And you know, it started out as me just sharing these cool photos and stories of, uh, you know, women riders and their trials, tribulations and triumphs and my own as well. And then it it just kept growing and I didn't want to waste that either. So I, I followed that path, you know, if you will. But it's one of those things that I always have more ideas than I have time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I find that, you know, with traveling and with a lot of the people in my life, I would say kindred spirits like me, we we like to adventure. We like to travel. We like to, you know, I know a lot of racers and performers and just straight up adventurers who mm-hmm. were hard to nail down. So even in you know writing my book, it took me two years. Yep, sometimes they can. I've had authors on this show where it's taken them over 10 years to write a book. One has been working on, well, he just finished it. Uh, he was working on it for 30 something years. So you did pretty good with two well, that years. Certainly, certainly makes me feel a little bit better. I Well, that's why I shared it with you. I want you to feel good about it. Two years is, is not bad at all for a book. And that was your first book. Is your This is your first book, right? It was my first book. And, you know, now, (laughs) yes, because (laughs) I plan to write another one. Uh, Ah. (laughs) Yes, I I do want to mention that now that you brought it up, I built my Ducati, my first motorcycle in three years, and I wrote a book in less time. So you know what? (laughs) I'm trending upwards. 
I think you're doing well. Yeah, you're improving. Yeah, you're improving with your time frame. That's very cool. What's been your driving inspiration, Alicia? Who was a key mentor in your life that helped you move into areas that you're passionate about? Well, I would say the answer to this is mostly community. You know, the the overwhelming groups of people and and strangers that you get support from in motorcycling is one of the biggest inspirations for why it became such a huge part of my life because it's rewarding. You go to these events, you get that joy from people. You can feel it. You can feel that energy and the excitement about motorcycles. And when you even see someone just do a little baby wheelie or whatever, and like <laughs> the joy that they get on their face, you know, and it's all of that. But if we're going to pick people specifically also that, that really helped shape not only where I went with Moto Lady, but, you know, kept me at it. The first one that I want to bring up is Mark Cook. Mm-hmm. He was the former editor of Motorcyclist Magazine. And when I was living in Southern California, I was doing some freelance work for different publications. And he brought me on, not as a, I mean, still as a freelancer for motorcyclist, but as a more permanent fixture. So I had a lot more opportunities to get in on these events. And that that led me also to doing things like the Star Motorcycle Racing School and American Flat Track Racing. And you know, so without Mark and Motorcyclist Magazine, I think it would have been a, a much longer and much more uphill battle for me. Mm. And he did that because he supports women riding and wanted to help make that bigger. He hired Julia LaPalme as a editor at Motorcyclist at the same time. You know, so he was bringing ladies into the fold instead of having us on those outskirts. And that made a big difference. So that would be the first one. And then second one, I really, I need to bring up Jesse Combs. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, not only showed up from the very first women's motorcycle show, bringing her bikes, uh, but then the next year brought her real deal revolution business with Teresa Contreras and taught people to weld and uh, do pinstriping and promoted the show and was just generally a big source of, of encouragement for me, as well as, you know, just by her existing, right? And right. seeing the thing that she chose to do and the path she chose to follow was something that made me feel like I could do it too. And lastly, on that note, she also physically helped me because when I was living in Southern California, I couldn't find a house that also had a garage for shop space that I could also keep my dog at and also this and that and the other. (laughs) And she just said, you know what, Alicia, why don't you come work out of my shop? And that was a life changing kind gesture from her. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, what a special lady. She's been a guest here on the show. I got to spend a weekend with her in Orange County when I was asked to uh, MC a classic car event. And part of the 20 plus people I interviewed on the stage that they had me doing for all those days was Jesse. She came up. I had a group of women. There were, I think, eight or nine women. Uh, Jesse, Lynn St. James and others all have been guests on the show here. And of course, you, re- you listeners will remember last month, March, I had 23 women on the show back to back to celebrate Women's Month. And Jesse was so cool to meet in person because she was everything that you wanted her to be in your thoughts about who she was. And even more, uh, just almost, well, almost bigger than life in many ways. So uh, she is exactly who you, in person, she was exactly who you felt she was from her videos, her presence, her social media and everything. And that's right. that genuine quality is something that I, I really value. Yeah, she was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, sadly, sadly missed, taken far too young. When 
young women in particular, but could be young men, are interested in, let's focus on your book, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. I promise, listeners, we're going to bring it up. But let's talk about writing a book, since that was your first. What's maybe one or two pieces of advice you would give someone who wants to embark on that venture? Because <laughs> it can be a lot more work than you ever dreamed of, right? Absolutely. And that's a tough question because obviously every book, every writer, and every creative mind works differently. Sure. However, the other day, a friend of mine was telling me that they've always wanted to write a book and they don't know how they could, et cetera. So maybe I'll tell the listeners the same thing I told them, which is you absolutely can do it. If you have a topic in mind, write an outline, whether that's a very a messy outline or a very organized one. It doesn't matter. Just get something out in, a, in an organized bullet point fashion mm -hmm. for what you want to talk about in that story. And then every day or set a goal for yourself three days a week, come home, sit down and write even just two pages. Because if you do two pages every day, you know, in two pages, 500 to a thousand words in a few months, in a year, you will have a book. Right. It will be, it will be done. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite sayings. You know, it's absolutely true. I've had hundreds of authors, journalists on this show, many, many people. And it's I always say it's a bit akin to, let's say, restoring a bike or a car. You have to go do something every day. Even if you only have enough time to do one little thing, you've got to keep that momentum going. And even if you don't feel like it, my son's writing a book right now. And the same thing. He said, some days I just have to sit down and write, even if I don't feel like it. And what I write that day may be total trash, but I have to just do it because it sets a muscle memory in your brain that yep. keeps it moving. You can't stop. It's like any task. If you're going to build a house, you can't stop. Once you start, you've got to finish it. Uh, otherwise, that house will never be done. Some people have probably listening that have started to remodel and it's never been done, right? So you've got to just keep on going. Let's take a short break. We're going to thank our sponsors. We come back, I'm going to ask you about a big challenge you face. Could be uh, the website, could be the book, or be something else. So keep your helmets on. We'll be right back. And I'd be remiss to not suggest that you go and listen to yesterday's show with Tracy Powell. He's an author who has a service where he can help you write a book. So check out yesterday's show here on Cars Yeah with Tracy Powell. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Join Linkage. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. And don't forget when you're on the Linkage website and you're getting your subscription, use the code CARSYEAH and they'll give you $10 off. Wow, what a deal. Have you looked under your hood recently? The average car today has more than 70 computers and 100 million lines of code. Today and tomorrow, being a professional technician requires an understanding of technology, computers, 
and electrical systems that are highly advanced and very complex. Cars yeah is honored to support TechForce Foundation as our charity of choice. Their efforts to help young people pursue a technical education and a fulfilling career as automotive techs is the key to an inspired life. Through scholarships, grants, and good old-fashioned hands-on experiences with vehicles, TechForce and Carsia are working together to connect young people with viable careers. Join us and learn more by visiting techforce.org today. All right, Alicia, I like to ask my guests about a huge obstacle, a big challenge, maybe even a giant failure that you face, something you've had to overcome. And it's really more about what it taught you, how you overcame it, and how you move forward. So take us on a little ride. Well, that's kind of tough because this last year has been such a test, you know? Oh, gosh. Yes. Has it? Really, you think? (laughs) so weird. It's crazy. I'm sure it has, you know, for almost everyone, right? Oh, yeah. In some way. Yeah. And at present, I'm finally kind of starting to get my my wheels turning again and planning, you know, the, well, getting the last details together, really, for the Women's Motorcycle Show that's going to be happening in May at the Texas Motor Speedway. Whoa, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be during the Get On Motorcycle Fest. So that's a big one. And, you know, this entire year has been a huge challenge just because my entire business, my entire work has been based off of events and, you know, women doing things. (laughs) And a lot of us haven't been doing anything or haven't had the ability to. And so it's been a, it's been a very stagnant time, which has been difficult. But if we're going to go back in time and away from, you know, the thing that most all of us have the experience with, which is COVID problems, you know, I don't want to bring, bring it all real down, but to be super real mm-hmm. and for all the, and for all the ladies out there who might get something out of it, I was in a really, really bad relationship about a decade or ago. Mm-hmm. I felt really trapped. I felt miserable. There was, it was, it was fraught with problems. I don't really want to get into details, but I bought a motorcycle and I had learned to ride and gotten my endorsement when I was 18 because I always wanted to ride, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the ability to get a bike. Well, after we moved in together and I got married and all that stuff, I was able to I basically spend $800, not a lot, right? But on a, on a beater bike. Mm-hmm. And that bike allowed me to escape and it was literally my vehicle to freedom. So it was, so, it was literally the physical vehicle that took you away from that bad relationship, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. On a, on a daily basis. And also, you know, in a, in an emotional sense, yeah, um, yeah. because in order to get out of the house and away, I would go on a motorcycle ride. And to this day, I enjoy riding my bikes by myself a lot. I love riding with other people, Mm -hmm. but solo rides are very restorative for me. And it's probably because of that, you know, that was my escape, my freedom, my self-worth that, you know, I I was able to regain and everything else. And so I think that that was one of the biggest, biggest challenges in my life was, and it's one of those challenges we create ourselves, you know, because we can choose to be with someone or not, but sometimes we don't feel like that. And, and motorcycles, allowed me to realize that I could be by myself. And right. And so they they very much saved me. Wow. That's really cool. And may I ask you this? I found with riding motorcycles, much like I raced vintage cars for about a dozen years. With racing, I found it to be the same as motorcycles. When you're on the road, you really have to focus and you have to clear your mind 
of everything. Uh, that's how you live. <laughs> because when you we all drive cars to work, and you talk to people all the time. I drove to work, and I don't even remember driving. Yeah. I don't even remember anything about it. I was listening to radio or a book or eating or whatever you do in your car while you're driving, which you shouldn't be, but everybody does. But you can't do that in a race car, and you can't do that on a motorcycle. At least I couldn't. So the motorcycle for me was a freeing of all the burdens of work and life and everything that are always in your brain messing with you and distracting you, but can't do that on a bike because you'll die. You'll hit something and die if you're not yeah. paying attention because all those other cars are out to kill you, right? Did you find that the bike riding helped you escape not only physically from that relationship, but mentally? Bring back stick shift just on that last, <laughs> the last thing that you said. Uh, I drive, uh, you know, like a big overland truck and whatnot it's stick shift and i have to be aware you know and paying attention so right. like you know like you said and yes there is no autopilot on motorcycles while i'm sure that almost every motorcyclist will say they have sometimes been like wait i don't remember the last 10 miles and it's a scary feeling right but generally speaking yes that is absolutely what happened for me you know, if anyone listening to this has seen the stories of bike faster episode that I was on, I talk about one of the reasons I like going fast and I like motorcycles and the speed uh, part of it is because when you're on a motorcycle uh, tearing it up, you can't think of anything besides what is exactly in front of you. I mean, maybe some people can, but the way that my brain works is everything else just floats away. Mm -hmm. And it's like that tunnel vision, but it's also like tunnel emotion. Right. <laughs> you just are in that moment. Yeah. And I think the reason that humans do drugs, drink, jump off buildings, everything that we do out of the norm of, of going to work and blah, 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 is to try to find that being in the moment feeling. Motorcycling does that. It definitely puts you in the moment. You have to be in the moment. And the faster you ride, the more in the moment you have to be if you want to survive. Sometimes you feel like you're in the future, you know? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. It's a weird, it can be a weird feeling, but I just noticed, especially on bikes, you also, your senses are on hyper mode. You smell things you don't smell in a car because you're out and about. I remember riding, when I first started riding bikes on streets. Uh, I used to ride dirt bikes way back as a kid. That was a whole different deal. But I remember riding with a friend and I smelled all these strawberries and I was down the road. I always drove down. I never smelled them. And we pulled off to get something to eat. And I said, did you smell those strawberries? And he rode a lot. And he goes, yeah, what about it? And I said, how come I never noticed that before? And he goes, well, because in a car, you're shielded. You're encased. There's filters. You, that, that wafting strawberry smell was going through your helmet because we rode through a strawberry field, you fool. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Or the little pebble on the road up ahead. They're in a car. So, but you got to notice that on a bike. So, uh, yeah, it heightens all those senses, your spidey senses, if you will. <laughs> For me, that's what it does. It does, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where I almost feel like motorcycling is is putting us into like an instinctual state of that presence, that hyper-awareness. Mm -hmm. And it's probably, you know, very fulfilling on an instinctual level to, to it's almost like that like hunter you know, aspect because you're, you're constantly on high alert and you have to be aware of what's going on behind you, above you, to the side of you, in front of you, you know, and you're moving through of it, through all of it at the same time. So right. all of those things, you know, you tune into it. And when you do track days or race schools and they talk about everything from getting your muscle memory into, into order so that when you're breaking, you move your body weight to the right side and mm -hmm. you do all these things in order correctly all of that even comes into play with it. And I think for me, 
that's one of the things that's very rewarding about motorcycling is I have always felt very at home on a bike. The first time I took the first time I got on a motorcycle myself by myself was for the basic rider trainings uh, class through team Oregon when I was 18. And before I was, I was like pee my pants, nervous, excited. But the moment I twisted the throttle and moved an inch, I forgot all about my anxiety. (laughs) And you were meant to be on a bike. Yeah. That's when I realized like, oh my God, this is my thing. You know, I found it. Wow. Yep. Well, you're very fortunate to find it at that age. You're talking about a special bike. Is there a special bike in your life? One that really stands out? Well, I think most people that know Moto Lady would uh, would be like Pandora. Um, I have a <laughs> I have a Ducati Monster. It's a '98 750. That was it was actually given to me. Now, before everyone gets all uh, up in arms about that, it was crashed on both sides. Had holes in the exhaust, holes in the engine casing bent bars, bent frame. I mean, it was, it was a pile, but it was a Ducati and it was free, you know, uh, do better than that. Right. So I was working at Moto Corsa, the Ducati dealership in Portland, number one, like four years running. Oh, do you know Arun? Yes. Arun, Arun uh, was my boss back then. And he, he's a good friend of mine now. There you go. He's a fast guest here. He is a care. Well, what a character. That guy he is, is definitely a car guy and he's definitely a, a character. You know, he basically, so Arun comes into the story. I was working at my, my little back in the corner internet desk and got a phone <laughs> call from Arun saying, Hey, come over to the used shop real quick. And I was like, damn it. Cause it was five minutes before close. And whenever a rune would call you five minutes before close, it's because you were going to work late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, Arun. <laughs> <laughs> so Such I a go slave over- driver, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I go over there and I'm all like, ugh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I walk into the corner and he's standing in the in the dark next to this beat up Ducati monster. And he's like, hey, do you want this? And I just, I, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Completely taken off guard. And, and he goes, if you want this, you can have it. And I, and I just went, uh, yeah, I would love to, you know? So like I said, it was beat to beat to crap, but it was more than I had at the time. And, you know, with being a a lady rider, I didn't want to just slap a new case on it and make it good enough. I wanted it to reflect me. And so I tore it all down and I started the build and three years later, it finally came to be. And then I took it to the one motorcycle show in Portland. <laughs> well, I'll put a, a picture of that bike. You know, I had a 750 Monster 2, as I mentioned earlier. I loved that bike. It was so cool. And uh, I did not as much custom stuff as you did, but I did some, you know, terminone pipes and special seat and carbon fiber bits that, you know, they have for those bikes. But uh, your bike is really cool. I love the the white tank, uh, the gold wheels. Definitely looks badass. I'll say that it just has a, uh, it has a flavor to it, but that's pretty cool that that bike came from Maroon. I didn't know that story. So, uh, yeah, next time I talk with them, I'll have to say, Hey, guess what? Alicia has been a guest on the show. Pretty darn cool. <laughs> yeah. Like and, and, and big shout out to Arun. Thank you. Because, you know, uh, going back to that people who have made big impacts in my life, if Arun hadn't given me that Ducati, I never would have built it. And it wouldn't be the bike that's on the, you know, on all of these platforms. Yeah. And then, I mean, a little, a little self like, woohoo, you know, it wouldn't be on the cover of American Motorcyclist magazine with me. Oh, like, yeah. There, 
there are a lot of things that I really think that that Ducati had something to do with uh, with my notoriety, if you will. I kind of hate that word, but you know, uh, sure, sure. People, people like Pandora, and I mean, I get it because I do too. <laughs> well, yeah, and the name. So tell me about the name. Why Pandora? <laughs> well, I've mentioned it took three years to build. It, it was it was one of those things where you open when I, the box and go, uh oh, what have I gotten myself into? It, exactly. Yeah. Um. Her, her full name is Pandora's Box. Uh, <laughs> okay. Perfect. And it's one of those things where I mentioned it was beat it was beat to crap and it had been laid down and everything. Well, the tank was dented, the the frame was damaged. Like I mentioned, everything basically had to be redone. So as I started getting into it, and at the time I knew nothing about motorcycles. Oh, I mean, that's quite I, an undertaking, and that's a you know. It's a pretty sophisticated bike. Yeah, Ducatis aren't the most simple, but also the monsters are probably the simplest of Ducatis. So mm-hmm. I do want to, I sure. do want to put that out there. But I didn't know nothing. But my ninety, uh, my nineteen eighty Yamaha Maxim that I had bought, right? It was kind of motorcycle boot camp where, since it was eight hundred bucks, things would just keep breaking left and right, and you know, so I had to figure that stuff out. But I had never gotten into the mechanics of motorcycles. I'd never built a bike. I didn't know even what the difference, like, or what a 530 chain was versus any other size. I didn't know any of that. So yeah, it was a big undertaking, but that's how I learned a lot of it. So I think that that for me was, was a big, a big impetus for like a lot of the things that I ended up doing. And it was a really rewarding process as well. Uh, No doubt. No doubt. I want to get in your head a little bit here, Alicia. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a motorcycle, not what you want to be, but your personality, who you are, wrapped up manifest into a bike what would you be well i would be my ducati honestly <laughs> you're, you're duck yeah for sure well i kind of see that yeah with the passion the blood sweat and tears that you've tied into that thing of course yeah you're pandora it's also one of those things where it's small but mighty it's a little <laughs> bit loud and brash you know it goes by and you're like what the hell was that <laughs> right yeah who is that gal you know well i love it well listen i keep talking about we're going to talk about this book and i want to talk about it a little bit here the book is titled the moto ladies book of women who ride so tell us a little bit more about this book obviously we don't want to give away all the secrets because i want our our listeners here to buy this book and i'll make it easy for you by going to alicia's shunos page with a click to buy but the moto ladies book of women who ride why what is it well it's kind of my website expanded in book form. It's a collection of over 70 featured profiles on different women motorcyclists from pioneering racers to modern racers, stunt riders, builders, event coordinators, everything. It's it's all of the women that not all, not all. I need to I need to clarify that. <laughs> some I of had the to, women, some of the women. Yeah. It is a a good collection of yes. <laughs> uh, highlighting some of the most impressive women in motorcycling to date from the very start of uh, motorcycling in America. Cool, cool book, and uh, I tell you, it's published by my good friends, the Quarto Group, uh, Steve Roth, who connected Alicia and I. They produce some fantastic books. Uh, obviously, they were great to work with, right? If it weren't for them, this book never would have happened. I mean, first yeah. of all, they're the ones who wrote me, and I'm very fortunate for that fact. Actually, that story is pretty funny. I got a got an email from Dennis Bernou, who basically said, we would like to publish a book about motorcycling women that isn't, this isn't the way he put it, but this is the way I'm going to put it. (laughs) That isn't all TNA, like most of the motorcycling women books are. Got it. And my response was, that sounds cool. Who's going to write it? 
<laughs> well, that's why we called you. That's pretty much exactly what his response was. And then your response was what? Huh? I, I was like, little me, you know? Little um, me, yeah. Yeah. So they were great to work with. They were very patient. They were very helpful. Like going back to the question earlier about advice on how to how to wrap your head around this and everything else, it took me a minute to figure out you know, how to skin that cat, if you will, and in what way to organize this. And I kept thinking about, you know, how I could tell it all in one story and everything else. And then I just went, why am I trying to do that? Every woman has their own story and they stand alone. And if you flip to a page in the middle of the book, you're going to find a standalone story about a really badass woman. And if you go to the beginning of the book, you're going to do the same thing. And they don't have to be read together, but they also all can. Yeah. So it's a pick up read if you want to put it down. Come back. You don't have to sit there for an entire weekend. You can get bits and flavors and bites, and they're all different yeah. uh, and exciting and inspirational, too. So uh, definitely, listeners, if you have a lady in your life you'd like to give this to or anybody in your life, I think anybody who loves motorcycles and adventure and inspiring people, like so many of the people I have here, all the people I have here on Cars, yeah. The Moto Ladies Book of Women Who Ride by Alicia Elving. I'll spell her last name. It's a little different. E-L-F-V-I-N-G. Well, they're going to take one last short break. We come back. We're going to talk about the ultimate ride. So sit tight. Did you know that Cars, yeah, is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn? the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. All right, we're back. So I usually call this the ultimate drive, but in your case, it's the ultimate ride. And here are the rules of this game. I'm going to let you go on any kind of ride you want. You get to choose who you ride with. They can be on another bike or you can pick a bike you ride together. I think you're probably going to be on individual bikes knowing you. So who's that person going to be? Or if there's a couple people, that's okay. What kind of bike are you going to be on and where are you going to be riding? You know, that is the hardest question. (laughs) Good. It's it's kind of the equivalent of if you could have dinner with anyone past or present, right? That's exactly um, the deal here. Yeah, I didn't add that. Past or present. Anyone who uh, maybe isn't with us anymore. But that's the magic of cars. Yeah, we can make anything happen here. That's what I was going to say. If we're, if we're doing any time, I wouldn't choose someone I don't know or a famous person or anything. I would choose to go back in time and ride or drive with my dad. Oh, nice. I lost him, you know, a year and a half, uh, closer to two years ago. And I'm sorry. He has, by proxy of being a big motorhead, always been like a big impetus in a lot of my, you know, adventure, adventure prone lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And without, without a lot of him teaching me the things that he did when I was young, or even taking me on the adventures he did when I was young, 
telling me the stories he did. I don't think that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And I miss him a lot, but it's not just the fact that I miss him that I would want to ride with him for it's uh, or drive with him. It's the fact that, you know, my dad had me when he was a little older, he was 41. So he was 72 when he passed away. And Mm -hmm. there was that lack of overlap for me as a youth being interested in what my dad had to teach me versus when I was an adult and finally getting into it. And then he was getting out of it. And so we never got to ride together because his eyesight went and that still breaks my heart a lot because it's something that I always really wanted. I didn't know that either of my parents rode motorcycles when I first started. And it turns out that both of them did. Whoa, Um, that's cool. And if we're going to talk about one specific uh, ride or drive. I actually have a story about my dad that uh, yeah. I've I've always wished that I could have been there, and maybe maybe that would be a bad thing. But in theory, it sounds really fun. <laughs> sure. uh, he, my dad, was a huge gambler. Uh, he was he was very good at math and all of that stuff. And back before card counting was just straight up cheating uh, <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> he actually got booted from like all of the um, all of the casinos on the strip like oh, wow. permanently 86 because he was winning too much money. Wow. And he went down to a Ford shop and bought a brand new Mustang and then basically raced it around Los An- or uh, Las Vegas all night, crashed it into a telephone pole at like 5 a.m., walked away from it, threw the keys on the driver's seat and, and never what? looked back. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Holy so- cow. Well, maybe that's not the ride to take with your dad. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it sounds very fear and loathing in Las Vegas, though. And yeah. Hunter S. Thompson oh, is one of like my a, favorite yeah. authors. Sounds like a movie, I was going to say, or a book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, those kind of moments, like I, I've just had so many stories from my dad or, you know, when he was out in the country driving his big trucks and then come around a corner and see a crossing of elk and then have to square up and just like all of those. I, I would love to have experienced any of that with yeah. my dad. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, we get another little window into your world here and, and what the DNA that makes you who you are. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> You've taken us on a wild ride today, my friend. I kind of thought this would be that way. And I'm really, really happy that you did that for us. Before I let you go, could you share a little word of advice, a mantra, success quote, something that has meaning for you? Oh man. If you dream it, do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's so, yeah. it's kind of cliche, but people, oftentimes talk to me about how they think, you know, oh, your life is, is, it seems so cool. You're jet setting and this and that. And from my perspective, I spend a lot of downtime, you know, trying to make the next adventure happen. And, and my life is either boring or exciting. (laughs) So it's, it's all about the grass is greener, you know, context, perspective, all those things. But if you want to do something, do it. I mean, if you want to work in motorcycling, work in motorcycling, but do it because you love motorcycles, not because you want to make a lot of money. If you mm-hmm. want to live out of a vehicle and take photos of things, you can do it. Where there's a will, there's a way, yep. you know? So yeah. just get on it and twist the throttle. There you go. Get on it and twist the throttle. What are the ways people can keep up, if that's possible, with the moto lady? Well, I think the easiest way would probably be uh, if you just go to Google and you type Moto Lady. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The website. You'll find me. But yeah, my website is themotolady.com. I also recently, finally, after 10 years, whoop, whoop, got motolady.com. 
Cool. My Facebook, Instagram, YouTube are all Moto Lady, and then Twitter is the Moto Lady. All right, cool. I'll make sure I put links to all these on Alicia Shoner's page so you can find her. And again, I encourage you to get your hands on a copy of the Moto Lady's Book of Women Who Ride. I'll make it really easy for you. Just go to her Shoner's page. It'll be right there. Click on it. It'll take you to where you can buy a copy, and you will be happy. And you know what? Buy a couple copies. Give them to some friends. They will thank you for it. Alicia, thank you for taking us on a wild ride today, a fun ride. This has been great. Thank you for sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!